you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. Amen. Amen. If you would open in your Bibles to Matthew uh, chapter 28, that's where we'll be today in just a moment. All right. So when I was in uh, college, I got to go to this Eastern Orthodox uh, Easter celebration. Um, And what's really cool, we don't need to go into the church history of that, but uh, there's a whole uh, branch of Christianity that, that the first major split in, uh, in the church was between the Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church. And because of uh, really interesting history, uh, the Eastern Orthodox Church was kind of frozen in time for many years. Uh, it's it's kind of complicated, but uh, they still uh, gather together and they celebrate Easter. And when I was in college, we went to an Eastern Orthodox uh, worship service. And they, uh, they do things very differently. So they have uh, an Easter vigil. And so that means they start at like 10 o'clock and they all stand. This is an Eastern Orthodox thing. There's no sitting. There are no chairs in the building at all. Uh, no instruments. And, um, and the liturgy is, is a call and response. It's sung. And, and of course, the most important part of the liturgy is that he is risen, right? And so they say, he is risen indeed. And, and they even had, when we went, printed out a bunch of different ways to say he is risen in all the different languages of people from the Eastern Orthodox Church. And, and it really stuck with me because I was standing on my feet for two hours during the service. And it goes, it goes all night until midnight on Easter. And at midnight, uh, Easter morning, uh, you actually, um, you all go outside the church with candles and you, you do a little walk around the neighborhood. This is in Chicago, so it's the middle of the night in Chicago. And, um, and the priest comes up to the door, and he bangs on the door. He bangs on the door to the church. Um, because we're, we're remembering, right, the tomb is still closed, right? And the Eastern Orthodox Church, just like uh, the Catholic Church and many Christians today, they, they fast during Lent, and so they've been giving things up. They've been mourning together uh, this period of, of mourning. And so everybody's standing outside the church doors, and they're pounding on the door. The priest just pounds on the door. And, and, he, and he does this call and response, the same every time. Uh, but he basically says, hey, um, uh, come out of there, devil. <laughs> he is risen. And then the devil, like, there's somebody inside that pretends to be the devil. It's really interesting. Um, and they, they celebrate. They bang on the door. And right at midnight, everyone comes back in the church, and they turn the lights up. And everybody stands, and then they do another hour-long uh, Easter mass at midnight. So you start at like 10 o'clock for prayers, and you go till 1 o'clock in the morning. And, and the best part that I, I missed out on, because our teacher said, uh, you're not allowed to go to that, and I listened. Um, they do a huge party after, a huge party. And so the whole church comes together. They rent out a big hall at 1 o'clock in the morning, and they all go downstairs, and they eat and drink um, everything that they haven't been eating and drinking over the course of Lent. And so, you know, you go, my friends were telling me, they're, you know, everybody's, it's like pizza and chocolate, and like somebody's coming around like pouring shots for everybody. Like it's, it's intense, you know, and they're coming together. We're all, he is risen, the tomb is open, uh, and we're going to celebrate. And, and they build this whole celebration uh, to kind of 
you know, help, help it along, just like we do. You know, we, we hunt, hunt for Easter eggs and, and have a big meal because we're trying to remember that something amazing, something shocking, something important has happened. And, and so for me, I've always shouted, like when I think of he is risen, I think of old Greek Orthodox guys, you know, doing shots at one o'clock in the morning uh, because we're so happy that the tomb is open that death is defeated, that whatever it was that was hanging over us, and in their case, right, for the period of Lent, but the ultimate thing that's been hanging over us is dealt with and gone and solved. Um, and, and so every year when we come together, you know, we, we shout that he has risen. And I'll admit, in many ways, it, it sounds a little different uh, to me. Uh, and sometimes we, we shout he has risen as a... Um, Sometimes it's like, a, you know, everybody's on that awful Facebook thing or whatever, right? And, and, you know, it's some people post it like it's sort of an attack. It's like, he is risen, and if you don't believe in God, like, he is risen, so listen to me. Like, sometimes we shout it like that, but, but I, don't, I don't think that's actually um, how these words were first understood. And so we're going we're gonna to dive into what it, what it really meant the first time somebody heard uh, those words, he is risen, and how it's even bigger than um, drinking alcohol for the first time in 40 days, <laughs> or Easter eggs, or uh, any of the fun uh, celebrations we even have today. So we're going to look at Matthew 28, uh, and I mixed up the slides a little bit, Josh, but perfect, you've got it, he's on it. Um, we're going to look at Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. It says, after the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, right? Sunday for Jewish people is Monday. It's, it's work day. At the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. Now there you will see them. Uh, there you'll see them now, I have told you. The first time someone said, he is risen, no one said, he is risen indeed, did they? So the women, uh, they hurried away from the tomb. They were afraid, yet also filled with joy. Afraid with joy. And they ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers, go to Galilee. There they will see me. Uh, as I was reading this today, I, I was struck by that moment, that the very first time someone said, he is risen, and there we, we'll get it, he is risen indeed, nobody said that. It was a silent Response. In fact, the, the women at the tomb, the, the only ones who were, who were coming to care for Jesus' body, uh, they were uh, excited and happy, but they were also filled with fear. And to me, that is a very different response than how I think of he is risen and, and he is risen 
Indeed, it's, it's, a, it's a different way of looking at it because on the first Resurrection Sunday, uh, it, that was not a statement of triumph or celebration. It, it was a statement of triumph for the angels, for Jesus, but for nobody else, right? Uh, think about it. Think about it. Uh, a few days ago on, on Good Friday, uh, the crowds um, who cheered for Jesus on Palm Sunday, they turn on him. Uh, they demand that Rome release uh, this other guy named Jesus, Jesus Barabbas, who was a, a violent revolutionary in Jesus' place. They say, give us him and go ahead and crucify uh, Jesus the Christ. And so if you're one of those people that remembers cheering crucify him two days ago, Are you excited to hear he is risen? I, 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 don't, I don't know. Uh, on, on Good Friday, the Romans and the religious leaders, right, they get what they want, don't they? They win. Jesus, the rabble-rouser and problem-causer, is captured and killed. And for them, Good Friday is their vindication. It's their celebration, right? It proves beyond a doubt, if you're a religious leader or a Roman, it proves that you were right, <laughs> that this person, this Jesus person, wasn't a Messiah at all. He was a liar and a troublemaker, and thank goodness he is dead in a tomb, if you're one of the religious leaders. Things could finally get back to normal. And, and on Good Friday, when Jesus is captured, of course, we know the story, his best friends and closest followers, they deny him, betray him, and flee. And although for them it's a tragedy that Jesus died, their Lord and Master, it's a heartbreaking tragedy. But it's also obvious that they ran. They failed. They did not stand by him to the end. In fact, they hide and they hope to go back, maybe sneak into the old lives that they had before, on Friday night and all day Saturday, if you were a, a person that lived in the ancient world, if you were one of Jesus' disciples, if you were a Roman soldier, if you were a Pharisee, um, as far as you can tell, Jesus was wrong. He was wrong. He, he failed. Saturday, uh, the rest day, uh, Jesus failed. And Sunday morning, uh, in the ancient world, it's time to go back to work. And so, you get up and go back to work. The women, they go to the work in the tomb of caring for Jesus' body. The men are still hiding, plotting their next move. Um, and the story starts, right, when the women get there at, at the tomb, trying to honor Jesus, and they're greeted with those words, He is risen. And there's no surprise to me that they're afraid, because they know that even they uh, fell Short, uh, because uh, with an earthquake on Sunday morning, everything changed. The angel said those words. And, and in that moment, the very first time somebody said he is risen, there is no human being uh, besides Jesus walking the earth who gets to say, I told you so. <laughs> no one. Everybody was wrong. Uh, if you're, you know... If friends with anyone, uh, everybody's, you know, wasting their money in the stock market right now, right? And you got a group of, I got a group of friends that do that, and they always talk about how, oh, you know, you gotta, you gotta buy the dip. You know, when the stock goes down, you spend your money, and then you hope it's gonna go back up. 
Uh, for Jesus' day, when, when his stock was about as low as it could possibly be, everybody sold out and quit and went home and walked away. And then in one moment, uh, he rose from the dead and they were all proved wrong. No one got to say, I told you so, on Easter Sunday, but Jesus. The Roman soldiers, if you were the guy that pierced Jesus' side, what do you think he is risen means for you? <laughs> If you're the, re the religious leaders who plotted to kill him, what do you think he has risen means for you? And even the Marys were afraid as they were filled with joy. Because, let's be honest, what do you suppose a regular king or messiah or a uh, person would do to his enemies and their troops and the crowds that turned on them and, and even the closest friends that abandoned them in their time of need after they actually won. Uh, what do you suppose a human being does when everybody turns their back on you but you still make it? Do you, do you go back and lift them up? No, 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 it's payback time, right? He is risen. If you're a Roman soldier, you, you hide. There's no wonder they shook and became like dead men. In any other situation on earth, this reversal is bad for anyone that failed, which is everyone. I think the first time someone said he is risen for most people, it would be, uh, excuse me for this reference, you guys are, are going to hate it, but that's okay. <laughs> it would be more similar to uh, Thanos in the Avengers movie saying you should have gone for the head, Right? You don't take a shot at the king unless you know you're going to win and they failed. And the guards, they act like it. They faint. They run away. The religious leaders, they fear. They actually come up with a plan uh, to do something about it. The disciples, they're hiding in a house waiting for confirmation. Uh, the religious leaders plot, like I said, and everyone is right to be afraid because he is risen, should lead to the destruction of the haters and the doubters and the failures. Anyone that stood in that crowd and watched and said, crucify him, should be terrified. But somehow, and this is what's amazing about the gospel, somehow that moment that should be a low point for every single person who ever doubted Jesus and for all of us who fail and fall short and live our lives as if he didn't walk out of that tomb sometimes, somehow that moment that should be a moment of shame for all of us instead is a moment of celebration. Somehow it's good news, and it's good news that Jesus is risen not just for those who bought in early and stayed with him through everything because that was no one. Uh, it, it, uh, it was good news for people who did everything they could to stop him. For them, the ones that hung him on the cross and pierced him in the side. Somehow he is risen, is good news even for them and even for us. Paul, uh, another ardent enemy of Jesus, another strong and powerful enemy of Jesus, all the way up until he wasn't, um, put it this way, in a letter that he wrote to people living in the capital of Rome, the political power that put Jesus to death. Paul writes a letter to them. Paul, an enemy of Christ, writes a letter to them about he is risen. 
right to the capital of the men who hung Jesus on the cross. He said, you see, in Romans 5, 6 through 10, you see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ didn't die for the right and the correct and the people that figured it out and the people that lived well and the people that did everything right. It says, Paul says, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by God's wrath through him? For if we, while we were God's enemies, were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? This is what the Bible believes, this is what the Bible teaches, is that all people were enemies of God at one time. All people couldn't do it at one time. All people fail. All people turn their back. And if you read the Gospels, that's the story that's told, right? God himself walks the earth. He feeds people. He heals people. He helps people. He does all these amazing things. He says all these amazing things. And lots of people follow him. But at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, uh, when all the cards are on the table, everybody runs away and turns their back. And God himself is killed, and three days later, when God, when Jesus rises from the dead, when God himself comes back and walks out of the tomb, all of those people that failed, all of those people that saw it all and still did the wrong thing, all those people that still can't seem to figure out their lives, um, they're not destroyed. <laughs> every other person, every other person, that would be what you would do to those that doubted you, that stopped you, that fought you at every step of the way. This is what is amazing about grace and the Christian faith. When we say he is risen, it is not our triumph. It is not because we figured it out and they don't know and look how good I am for figuring this out. No, it is because we remember the grace of God that loved us when we were enemies, that holds us up when we fail. This is what is amazing about grace and the Christian faith. It's that it's for uh, the losers. It's for the cowards. It's for the faithless and for the enemies of God. Uh, he is risen as for the sort of people that fought Jesus and quit him and ran from him when the most important moment came. And so when you greet somebody with he is risen and he is risen, indeed, remember why it is good news and not something to fear. Uh, because by the grace of God, he is risen, is good news for those of us who are perishing. It's good news for sinners. It's good news for enemies. It's good news for doubters. It's good news for failures. It's good news for cowards. It's good news for those who don't fit. It's good news for those who live on the bottom. It's good news for people that are overlooked and weak and vulnerable. It's good news for the different and the rejected and the cast out and the people that we just can't stand. By the grace of God, he is risen, is good news for the people that can't get over it, can't get it together, and can't figure it out. He is risen is good news for anyone who can finally admit their evil, their weakness, their failure, their foolishness, and their sin. 
because that kind of person is the only one who can humbly receive a gift that cannot be earned. It's not so good news for those who are sure and right and together and those who mock the weak and the scared. Because he is risen, it should mean that our chickens are coming home to roost. He is risen should mean that all the people that we've let down, all the ways that we've failed, all the people that we've hurt, uh, it's been remembered and the price is going to be paid for by us. He is risen should mean uh, that our sins are being brought out into the open and everybody's going to see just how dark the darkest parts of us are. But instead, Jesus took that for us. He is risen is a word of hope to us who are failures, enemies of God, and cowards. So with 2,000 years of hindsight, we shout, He is risen. Because we know that we are not vindicated because we're so smart as to have figured it out, but that we're saved by His grace in spite of our deep failure. He took the loss for us. He took the consequences and died with them. They are paid for, gone, and dealt with if we'll let him. All that's left is our choice to say, yes, I've sinned. I accept what you've done for me. Make me new. Because we and no one else is ever too far gone to turn and accept what Jesus offers, to pray, yes, Lord, forgive me, make me new, be my father and my God, and let me be your child. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we recognize that it is not on our strength that he has risen as good news for us. It is despite that. And so, Lord, we come before you and we admit our failure and our need. And if we never have before, Lord, I, we want to do that today. And we say, Lord, make, he is risen. Make that be the thing that we stand on because of the, the sacrifice of your son Jesus on the cross for us. Because you didn't hold it against us even though you should have. And Lord, if we say yes to you, we ask that you would transform us by your Holy Spirit, that we would be new, that you would deal with the parts of us that harm ourselves and you and others, that you would make us into who you want us to be, but, but we are not saved, Lord, we know, because of those things, but instead because of what you did for us while we were still your enemies. We say all these things in your name, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. He is risen. Amen. Let's praise God together. I want to invite the worship team to come forward. Let's conclude our service in praise. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.